Hi, and Happy New Year, everybody. Welcome to the Rice and Egg Podcast. I'm your host, Leslie Siriaco. I'm a firm believer that food is life, food is medicine, and it's one of the most beautiful things that connects us in this world. I love eating and making food and talking to people about how they find ways to feed themselves with good, healthy, delicious food and love learning about ways everyone can have it. This is the podcast that connects you to stories and conversations with people who feed people. On our very, very first episode of Rice and Egg, we have Julie Mitchell, who's an LA chef, mother of two boys, and loves to cook delicious veggie forward meals with a few exceptions. We chat about what it takes to feed ourselves and kids when we're sick, holiday traditions, our love of farmer's markets, her inspiration to be a chef, and what Julie's rice and egg is. I loved my conversation with Julie. I hope you enjoy as much as I did. It's episode one. Here's the show. Hi, Julie. Hi. <laughs> Good to see you. Yes. Good to see you. This is so uh, amazing because this is, I think, our first podcast. Have you ever done a podcast before? No, never. Me too. So this is the first. Welcome to Rice and Egg, episode Yay. one. <laughs> um, well, it's great to finally connect and, and chat, seeing as though that I think your both your kids were sick recently and I'm actually coming off of being being sick for a week I think I caught like a cold which felt like a flu kind of thing and thankfully it wasn't COVID like I'm knocking on my desk here I tested and it wasn't COVID so thank goodness for that but how are your how are your kids doing they're are they okay better yeah they're better so my youngest got sick for like two days and then he got better. And then the day after that, the older one got sick for like two days. And then the day after that, they both kind of were not feeling great. And then they, they both got over it. So oh, luckily it was like never that. super bad. And uh, it also wasn't COVID, which we were concerned about. But well, that's great. That's great. Yeah. I know it's going around for, for folks listening in, it's almost Christmas time. So this is December, and with December comes cold here in Southern California, which is kind of like for for those listening in other cold, really cold parts of the world. <laughs> kind of cold. This is probably not very cold. No. Uh, but as Southern Californians, we we get colds and we get cold mm -hmm. <laughs> in like sixty degree weather, and so we get sick. Um, uh, that and everything else floating around, you know, with with uh, germs and stuff like that with the holidays, of course. So, so that's good. Um, what if uh, what what do you what do you make for your kids, if anything, when they're sick? Like, what do they like, and what actually tends to work as kind of a medicine, if anything? Well, I always try to push soup on them, and my oldest just won't eat it. The, the youngest will have a sip or two. They, they hate soup. I don't know. I can't get them to eat it. No really? matter what kind of soup, I make like vegetable soup or noodles or all kinds of different soups, and they won't eat it. So I just kind of try to give them anything, really, because they, they really don't have appetites. When they're sick, they kind of, they just don't really want to eat yeah. anything. So I just give them kind of um, 
whatever they'll eat. My husband makes like rice and meat and stuff and they'll kind of pick at it. But um, really anything because and a lot of times they'll ask for stuff and then they won't eat it. And then so I just kind of whatever they feel like eating, they they still eat fruit. I kind of just whatever's fresh, whatever's Mm kind of like semi healthy that they'll eat. Um, I, oh, I try to push the soup. I make so much soup and then it just, I end up eating it all. What kind of soup? But, so this time I made, I've been doing just like a chicken broth and noodles yeah. because they've been eating, but then they'll just eat the pasta out of the, the noodles out mm-hmm. of the soup, which mm-hmm. defeats the purpose. But, uh, it's something, uh, the last, last time they got sick about a month ago, I made this like kale potato soup which they, and um, beans. I, if I put beans in it, they'll eat any, they'll eat everything. Oh, they'll eat all the beans. Awesome. Out of it. Yeah. So it was like beans and potatoes and kale and they devoured all the beans, left all the soup. <laughs> but um, I still had that in the freezer and I was thinking about it the other day to pull it out. Of, but um, I didn't need to because they started feeling better. Nice. Um, I also do like a, Every veggie I have in my fridge, I'll throw it in there and then I'll blend it up. And it's like usually like a tomato or something because there's always tomatoes. And then that one they they really liked too before. It's just kind of they don't if they don't see what's in it. Like if it's not chunky, they'll <laughs> they'll eat it. That's my secret. Do you, do you tend to do that often? How old are your kids again? Your boys? Two, uh, three and uh, he'll be three in February, so uh, almost three and almost five. Okay. So, um, yeah, if I, I feel like if they start getting too picky and I'm, I'm kind of worried about, oh, maybe they haven't had enough vegetables this week or have, they haven't been eat, really eating very well, uh, I'll blend everything up and I'll make like pasta and I'll make a sauce with like every vegetable I have and blend it up and, and use that as my sauce and they can't tell. So, and they love it always. And so, they love it and they'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. That's if my they secret. See it, though. If yeah, they if they see, see it, it they and, ask about it. And, but they don't always, like, usually they like, they don't mind it. He Like, my older son loves vegetables, and uh, my youngest is a little bit more picky, but they don't usually mind, like, chunks or big pieces. They'll eat it, but sometimes they, you know, they go through phases, and sometimes they just don't want to eat anything. And so you have to make something that <laughs> yeah. is easy for them to like oh it's just red sauce and pasta and they don't see right. that it's also eggplant and zucchini and herbs and all these things tons of garlic and whatever else I have but mm-hmm. um it's delicious <laughs> so they love it that's great yeah that's great and so um is uh are they do you make something special for the holidays? I know the holidays are coming up. So I've been working a lot, actually. My son, he he tells me every day, like, do you have to go to work today? I miss you. And yeah. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I have not seen them. I always do cookie boxes, like, for my friends and family. So um, I was actually just telling him I'm finally going to get a day off. Uh, in a couple of days, so I'm like, we're going to do, we're going to start doing all our cookie doughs and they can decorate the cookies and we give those out. Um, but the other, but other than that, we do do tamales always. It's like oh, a big wow. thing at home. We always do like this giant pot in the backyard, like probably like 500 tamales. Oh, and wow. so I live away from my family now, so I don't ever 
get to get, I mean, I can get them, but I have to drive and it usually doesn't happen. I'll get them frozen already. Like I'll, I'll go weeks after Christmas, but I, last year and the year before we made them here and it was really nice to be able to show my kids how to do it. It was so much work and they don't even eat them. They didn't like them. <laughs> They didn't like them either. They didn't like them. And we made a big, I made a huge batch because it's just what I'm used to doing, making big batches. And then we just went and we took them out and gave them to like the homeless people on our block. Oh, wow. So it seems um, like they like the process. They like the experience. Oh, they love being in the kitchen. They love being in the kitchen and getting like their hands in the masa and like spreading it on the thing. They love all of that. They love being in the kitchen. So I'm lucky for that. Eating it's a different story. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why. I'm like, what? This is delicious. <laughs> why don't you yeah. like it? But I don't know what it is. I'm sure they'll grow to like it. Usually it takes like, this, a um, few times. Was Is the tamale making um, tradition something that you grew up with? Yeah. So we had every Christmas we'd have like an assembly line. We'd have, and I have a ton of cousins. I have like 30 first cousins and then all my aunts and we'd have like one table set up for spreading the masa on the corn husk. And then you'd have another one shredding the meat from the bones from the chicken. And, and then like my tias would be there forming them. And then my uncles would be outside cooking. And so it was like this huge production and I'm like everybody, like hundreds, hundreds of tamales. Cause every family, there was like however many 10 12 families and then it, each family would take home their like six seven eight dozen and it was just it was madness i don't know how we <laughs> how we it's eat amazing. so many tamales my mom just called me the other day and she was like i had to start cleaning out my freezer because i gotta i know that christmas oh, yeah. is coming <laughs> and i'm gonna stock up yeah <laughs> but, wow that's amazing i I've always been a fan of tamales as well over over Christmas, consuming them, not making them. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I've ever made tamales before. It seems hard to me. Or is it's it a lot hard? of work. It is a lot of work. Yeah. And I always thought it was kind of easy, but then like, uh, and to be fair, my, my aunts and stuff, like they're not chefs. So like, I'm sure when I went and did it, I wanted to like make sure all the technical and it was pretty tricky. It was pretty tricky to do, but um. I mean, I think because my family's did it pretty, um, pretty simple. And I put a lot of more thought into like the meats that I do and the sauce that I made. And I think they kind of, and you have to like whip the, the lard and the, in the dough, like to a certain, like, like the dough has to float in water for it to like be like, is this like all these things that I learned now? Like, I'm sure my, my family didn't do it like that. Like they just did it like basic and. They were always good, but wow. mine were very good. Wow. Did you have to, did you and your family have to go to different places, like special places for the ingredients? They, I don't know what they did, but I go to like the Mexican markets here in like, um, in Koreatown. It's like, it's like right next to Koreatown, there's a bunch of these like Oaxacan markets where they have like mm-hmm. the chilies and the Mexican chocolate and all this stuff. So I actually need to make a trip there this week because I need to start making Mexican hot chocolate. <laughs> for the, for, I need oh, to make sure I stock one. up. Yeah. Oh, I love that too. Yeah. But I do like, I know I go there for all my chilies and um, the chocolate and the 
the corn husks. They are like fresher. I don't know. They're not as dry as like the ones you buy in the grocery store. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I got to go make my, my yearly stock for Christmas oh, wow. time. Wow. So this year, tamales, check. Yeah. What else is on, on tap for the kind of celebration? How do you, how do you guys celebrate Christmas? Food wise. Uh, food wise. Honestly, this year I, I have to work <laughs> Christmas day. So oh, I don't on know. Christmas. Oh, that's yeah. what you mean. Oh no. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. I work every day. Um, <laughs> so at work, it's like we make literally as much in the whole year in the two weeks of Christmas and New Year's. So it's so busy and I work every day and usually my day off would be Christmas, but I'm, I'm actually working a, a private dinner. So, and gotcha. I was like, I don't want to do it. <laughs> I have to. So, um, we will have morning breakfast and my mom always made us cinnamon rolls every Christmas. And I don't even like cinnamon rolls, but I'm like, I feel <laughs> like I need to make them because oh. it's like such a tradition that like my mom always like made them for us and like the canned ones like the Pillsbury or whatever they were with that little can um, mm -hmm. but I made them I made them last year I made them fresh and, and they were good I, I can only eat like a little bit because they're not but my husband and my kids were like ate the whole pot the pan thing you know wow I think it's a nice something sweet to have but it's so much work also I always like sign myself up for these big projects I'm like no we need to have tamales and we need to have <laughs> cinnamon fresh cinnamon rolls for breakfast and then I have yeah. no time and I'm stressing out and but it's worth it because I, I think that those are things that remind me of Christmas and you know I want my kids to remember about their Christmases so totally yeah I'm the it. same it's worth the labor <laughs> I agree. I agree. I'm, I'm the kind of quote unquote hostess that kind of, um, tends to over plan a lot, like, and, and puts a lot on the list to put mm -hmm. out there. Yeah. And I, I actually love it. And that's the thing. Yeah. People think, Oh, you know, it's so stressful, especially, you know, my mom, uh, always kind of says to me, oh, you know, no, just order something less. And no, and it's just, to me, it's really important for me to, to make it yes. like, especially from scratch if I can. And I actually love experimenting like that, especially if, if it's something that I really love and I want to try and, and kind of almost like a test kitchen kind of thing, mm -hmm. see if it actually works and it's, it's good it's as good as you imagined it to be kind of thing. And so I'm, I'm a fan of that. So I totally can relate to, to um, not only making things special for your kids, but also like making sure you make it. Yeah. Cause you kind of want to like keep the tradition for yourself. I feel maybe that's what it is. Cause my mom's not making us breakfast on Christmas anymore, but like, you know, I still want to feel that special. Not only for my kids, but for myself too, I think. Yes. Yeah. Totally. So let's, let's talk about how you, so you, you're a chef. Yes. As well. This is what you do for a living. Yes. Um, what got you to, to be a chef? Oh, a lot of things. So I never knew how to cook growing up. I never cooked. My mom didn't really cook. Um, and so I think when I, like, uh, I moved out of her house at, when I was 18 and I kind of would like 
got mad at myself. I was like, I, I don't know how to make anything. I just eat out a lot. And, and I, and I would watch food network and I'd be like, I want I, I can do that. Like that's, that looks so easy. Rachel, if Rachel Ray can do totally. it, I can do it. Totally. <laughs> so I just started like kind of practicing and I had this friend who was always, um, a baker and she would always bring in like baked goods to school and stuff. And I, and I would hang out with her sometimes. I'm like, Hey, do you want to like go to culinary school? And she was like, okay. And so we, we did. And we commuted uh, an hour every day together for two years. And we graduated. And we got a really good job right out of the gate uh, in Palm Springs at a, at a golf resort. And we learned a lot. And then I kind of just moved all over. I, I think it was – I've always loved food. I've always loved to eat. And I think for me it was so freeing to, like, make – what I want to eat instead of just like, Mm -hmm. what is there? Like, what can I eat? What's here? It's like, no, I want to eat this today and I'm going to make it. I can make it happen myself. So that was, I think one of the biggest things. And at the time I was, um, I was just really, I was going to the farmer's market a lot. And I think seeing like all the fresh produce, it was, it was like such a, this like whole other universe that like I never even, realize that there was like all these vegetables you've never even seen all the colors and all this stuff and mm-hmm. I just wanted to eat them all <laughs> I want to try them all <laughs> and see what see how they taste and it, honestly I'm still surprised even now I mean I've been doing this for 12 years now and there's always something new and there's a farmer mm-hmm. doing something cool and there's always something new to taste or it's some new combination so it's it's really interesting and it, it never gets boring and it's delicious Yes. Yes. It it does seem like every time like you get something fresh from the farmer's market, there's something in your brain that automatically says it's going to be delicious and it actually turns out to be delicious. Yeah. You know it's it's coming from there. Yeah. Well, and the the quality is just so much better. It it really, really is great. Do you find that? Do you see the difference? Do you feel it? Do you taste it? Definitely. Like in, 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 well, I, I do at home, but like even in the restaurant, um, do you, can you tell the difference between what's sourced like from a grocery store versus the farmer's market? Definitely. Even like what we buy at work, even just like the produce versus what I buy at home. For instance, even just the other day we had like baby carrots for that we got, we get them from the farmer's market at work and they're so sweet and they have so much flavor. And if I buy carrots at Ralph's, they're not, they don't taste mm. like that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's such mm-hmm. a difference. And, um, a friend of mine was actually one of the, the servers that worked that event. He was like, Oh my God, I got to stop shopping for produce at Trader Joe's because they don't taste anything like this. And I was like, that's so funny that there's such a, such difference. But I mean, also the price is probably double. So yeah, I guess you get what that's you pay true. for. That's true. Do you think like for the common folk who, well, for anyone who's listening, really not just common folk, quote unquote, but um, there's a myth out there that that kind of talks to this whole concept of, you know, being able to eat this way is, is impossible. Um, you know, and going to a farmer's market is for like expensive tastes and it does cost a lot of money. Do you think like what, do you think that's true? Yeah, I do. I do think it's true. I know that uh, when, and, and I know that I know 
how to shop for food. Because a lot of times, you know, people don't know and, and they're going to end up spending way too much money on like some stuff. But like I know how to like because I, I can buy a lot of vegetables, which are usually cheaper and I can make a really big meal out of them or whatever it may be. But it's like when I go and I'll, I'll say, OK, I'm going to the farmer's market and take out $60 cash and it'll be gone in the first 15 minutes. Like I'll just right. go to two or three places and that, and I'm like, oh, my God, I ran out of money. But like you just see all these beautiful things you want to keep buying. But it, I, and it's a special thing for us to go to the farmer's market. We don't go a lot because of that reason, because it's really mm-hmm. not uh, sustainable for us to shop that way. But it's a special when we go, it's like really special and we'll go like when spring starts and all the new vegetables are started, the spring vegetables are coming or uh, when the persimmons came in a couple, like two months ago, we went or whenever it was, we went, but you know, when there's special things, we want to go and get them there. Or if it's a specific item, because you know, there's going to be the best. If I'm going to have a special thing that I want to, or a lot of times if I'm recipe testing at work and I want to make a new salad Mm. or something, instead of you have to buy a whole case or you have to buy a whole, you know, 10, 15 pounds, I'll just go and get a couple. And it's, it's always so good. Always, no matter what it is. So, but it is, but it is, it is really, it's not sustainable. At least not for me. Yeah. Yeah. Or most people I would assume at this time. It's, it almost ends up being a treat, the farmer's market, to your point. Mm-hmm. Um, Definitely. It's interesting. Which is sad. Well, you all... I feel people oh, should... Go ahead. Sorry. I feel people should be able to, no. you know, eat a lot of produce and and it should be, it should be cheaper. It's it supposed should. to be the cheapest thing. It should. That should be our takeaways to get the farmer's market prices well for the, the whole food system to get to be sustainable enough so that far the the norm would be farmers markets actually rather than right. rather yeah. than the commoditized kind of grocery stores which are also important but yeah like to your point the the freshness is there the farmers are important i think um bringing bringing produce back and you know all of our fresh foods back to kind of local means is i think it's it's growing again you know across the country and i think across the world there's there's this concept i've been reading and listening to around kind of making food systems more regional and local again despite the fact that nowadays as we know like meat comes from australia now there's no mm-hmm. Right. And then that's a common thing. Like butcher yeah. boxes all from New Zealand, Australia, other things. And it's such a global market. But I think there's so many farmers here. And um, I think some of some of your family background also harkens back to kind of like the 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 farming kind of industry. And uh, what's what's your take on this? Like the fact that we need to bring it back to the local farmers and really sustain the farmers themselves and ensure that they're, they're eating good food too. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, um, you know, my, my, my family, my mom and all her, all my, all her siblings, my grandparents, they were farm workers, um, in the Coachella Valley. And so growing up, they would always pick vegetables seasonally. They would move up and down California to do that. 
so growing up in the Coachella Valley, like everything was local. Most of the produce we produce in California comes from the Coachella Valley. It's just like tons of farmland. Um, and it's like sunny all year round and never rains. And, um, so it's really good for that. But I mean, I've, I've seen a lot of these small farms and the, the farmers are even like some of these like farmers market farmers, like it's so much work to, to mm-hmm. have a farm and to, to, you know, to harvest everything and to keep your plants not going sick. And then if it's really hot one year and you lose all your plants because of, you know, sunburn or whatever it is, then you lose your whole year's, you know, um, your whole income for that year. And it's, it's just, it's so dependent on weather. And then now there's all this like crazy weather and like freezing and extreme heat. And it's just, it's, it's really hard to be a farmer. And so that's why I do try to like, you know, I, I understand why they charge so much. Like I do understand why yes. your prices have to be so high. You, you have a lot, you know, your, your bottom line is high and I respect it and I, I admire it. It's, I, I don't know what it would take to make it easier because it's, mm-hmm. it's like they have such a burden on them to produce food and it costs them so much and there's no real like incentive for them to, you know, make more or make it cheaper because they can charge a high price and people in LA in Santa Monica will pay it. They'll pay and for it. Yeah. yeah. So they, you know, they're not, they don't have an incentive to make it for, to make it, you know, cheaper for the people who can't afford it so that they can be healthy. They have a, you know, an incentive to charge more and make a special variety that I only have two boxes of or something. And then I can charge an arm and a leg to, you know, Beverly Hills people and they'll buy it. So it's, Mm -hmm. it's, I don't really know what the solution is because at least my personal opinion is, I mean, I think that, you know, the government just wants to keep us sick and and keep oh, us boy. eating chips and salt and sugar and, and so that we can be sick and process stuff yeah and go to the hospital and get medication and and it's so easy to fall into that kind of cycle that you know and they can make a lot of money off of it and and we don't you know most people are not not the wiser so no and i, I think I that guess, you've hit upon something that that's super important because that is that's the leading statistic out there that people really don't know is food related or diet related disease is in fact the number one killer of Americans. Yeah, I believe it. Like adults and children mm-hmm. of all these things of diabetes and heart disease and stuff like that. And all of, I mean, most of these things can be um, helped through food. A hundred percent. I think that food, actually I have a cousin who, um, who started her dad was her dad was diagnosed with cancer and started him on a vegan diet. And her, her, his doctors were pushing all these medications and she started him on a vegan diet and didn't tell his doctors what she was doing. And he ended up living like five years longer than they ever said. And, and afterwards she told them like, Oh, well it's because of the diet. Because all these medications, like I stopped giving him those medications you were giving me mm-hmm. and he never took mm-hmm. them. And all he did was he changed it. He stopped eating meat. He was like not eating sugar. And he was like so much, such a different person. 
in those last few years than he would have been, you know, just sick and taking pills and just dying, really. So it works. It, it really I, does. I'm a real believer that food is medicine. I am too. I am too. Um, and I think there are, are efforts started and, or at least continued by a lot of folks out there um, to bring awareness of that. Uh, not only in the government, because I think the government is now just, I think, waking up to this and realizing the importance of that enough to say it like that. Yeah. Um, you know, in addition to all of the bigger food companies out there that are that are in their own way trying to tackle certain issues, <laughs> you yeah. know, because it's the cost of health care, to your point, it's just outweighing anyone's household cost. Yeah, it really is. And it's not it's turning out not to be something sustainable for for even the government to support or even insurance company, you know, the whole the whole domino effect of it. So I think just conversations like this hopefully could help, you know, just have have people have have these kind of talks about how important food is. Yeah, it's all about education and educating people. And, and a lot of times they just don't know any better. And this is how they've eaten their whole lives. And this is mm-hmm. how my, my parents fed me and how they ate and what's wrong with it, you know, and they don't realize like, they don't read the labels, they don't see what's on the back and what they're actually consuming is like 50 times their daily value of sodium or whatever it is. And you're not supposed to eat like that. Like the human body's no. not made for the, the kind of foods that we produce nowadays. No, yes, no, but it's, it's usually, I mean, yeah, someone, it feels like, it seems like, you know, someone tends to wake up to those types of things and, or listen when someone they care about kind of comes up to them and says, Hey, like we need to do something different. And it, it has to do with your eating, like your diet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, it, uh, it takes courage from f- those folks, especially, you know, knowing that, that there's lots of, cause I had, I had experiences like that within my own family who, you know, are seemingly stubborn and, you know, of course it's, it's not their own fault either. It's just this perpetuation of, of that's all they knew and that's all they know. And uh, there's a lot of cultural aspects to it too, of just the cultural aspect of food and the same foods that people are used to because it's part of the culture, right? And it's not, it's not their fault because it's what they grew up eating too. So it's, it's super, it's super, it's a super complicated thing, especially when you see someone kind of like that you care about um, and you think you can help them in, in this way. Yeah, it's 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 also you have to be ready for it because like you said, they can be stubborn. <laughs> yeah. And it's a lot of patience and it's a lot of, you know, changing people's minds about just how you should look at things. Yeah. Totally. Um how is um have have your has your attitude towards food always been on the healthy side? I think I've always kind of been drawn to vegetables. I'm lucky enough to where my mom always, she was like the one sibling of all her siblings that ever had vegetables. Even my cousins would be like, oh my gosh, like 
oh, there must be something your mom brought. She brought the, the crudite plate with all the vegetables and nobody would touch it. But we always, you know, thankfully had that. Um, but I, I, I did. And then I actually had, was grateful. I worked as uh, my first chef position in Miami. Our restaurant was, it was not a vegan or vegetarian restaurant, but it was what we called vegetable forward. So we did have a lot of vegan dishes. We had a lot of vegetarian dishes and then we were always just trying to come up with new ways to make like vegetables delicious, which was like so much fun because it's something that a lot of people, you know, it's easy to, you know, make a steak taste delicious or make, you know, fish taste delicious because it it is, but it's kind of hard to to make some, something like a carrot so memorable or a radish, something that you'd go home thinking about, you know what I mean? So I thought it was like, (laughs) it was such a challenge and it just kind of sparked a whole, a love of, of vegetables and and fruit. And then you just think, and and when I was pregnant, I would like be really careful. Like what, what do I need? What what vitamins, what minerals do I need to eat? Right. And I would just look up, you know, which vegetable has the most of this. And and I would kind of base my diet on what I needed or if I feel like um, I was bruising easily, then I would look up things like what has a lot of iron and I would start eating and you really do notice a difference. And like I said, it's, it's, it really is medicine. And so I just think, I just believe there's, and they're so good. They really are so good if they're cooked right and they're, Mm -hmm. and they're, they're made properly. They can be so delicious. It can be very delicious. Yeah. And it's filling. Mm -hmm. It's more filling than people think. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think it, for families out there, like, what would you think would help families kind of have a, a healthier way of kind of feeding their own family, despite the fact that there's lots of convenient stuff out there? I think that's, that's not the, healthy. Yeah. I think that's the major thing is like, even though you think it's convenient, it's really not, um, like prepackaged anything really is probably not going to be good. And I know it's like, and trust me, I get it. Like as a mom, you sometimes you just need to have something you can throw in your purse and you have to have something really quick as you're on your way to out the door and you need something. But I mean, a a banana, it could do the same thing or, you know, um, the granola bars, but like not the ones that are loaded with sugar. Like you really, you just have to like pay, be aware, like be mindful of what, what you're eating. And uh, I think that really came, I learned a big lesson on that was when I was pregnant and my, I love candy. I have like a super sweet tooth. And my boyfriend at the time, well, my husband, he, he was like, no can, no corn syrup. Like it's so bad for the, right. for the baby, no corn syrup. And I was like, okay, no problem. And everything has corn syrup. There was everything, yes. every snack, every drink every any there's Mm -hmm. it's in everything and it was like Mm -hmm. such a a mind a mind-opening experience for me because I all I had to do was look at the label and I and I knew like most things I just and it was it was crazy to me how much and so I think if you're just mindful about what is actually in the things that you're eating and that's what Mm -hmm. it's good about you know fresh vegetables and stuff is there's no secret ingredients there's no hidden anything it's just that's what it is right and so if you can incorporate more fresh food instead of packaged stuff i mean even your greasiest or like carb filled homemade meal is going to be better for you than 
you know, a, a packaged, a box, a can, a frozen something. meal, a frozen yeah. meal. Yeah, exactly. Like a TV dinner kind of thing. Oh yeah. Um, and those are crazy sugar. Like there's so much sugar oh in God. those and, and salt. I remember, I remember eating those as a kid. Coming home after school, that's the thing. Like you pop it in in the 80s, like mm-hmm. 90s. Yeah. Those things were so popular. You know, yeah. fried chicken, mashed potatoes, corn. By the, um, we used to have always the chicken pot pies for the microwave chicken uh-huh. pot pies. Oh my God. Those are yeah. probably like 3,000 calories each. <laughs> <laughs> like I can't even. And that was like, you know, while we wait for my mom to get home to have dinner. Like it's so crazy. Right. It's just and so like bad. Pop tarts and all those. Mm hmm. Oh my god! Pop them in the toaster. Pop tarts every day. <laughs> but the thing is, like, you eat them, and and it's just all sugar. So you're hungry again in an hour or less. Yeah. Like it does. It's not sustainable. If you were to eat like, you know, a piece of toast with an egg on it or something, or a piece of toast with um, or I, I love just avocado. I, yeah, avocado. Exactly. Like that's gonna keep you full for two or three hours versus if you just had a pop tart, that's gonna keep you full for thirty minutes. It's just because your body burns it differently and, you know, it's just, it's just the, it's it's so much sugar and everything. Sugar just burns quickly. Yeah. You burn it really fast. And if you don't burn it, then you gain weight. Yep. And then it becomes a different kind of cost that you're carrying around. It's just not good. Just stay away from it. Which is not, which is a whole new inconvenience. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Exactly. The choice of your convenience. Exactly. You got to think long term. Totally. Versus short term. Yeah. Um, no. So while we're on the topic of like go-to foods back in the day, um, the, so this is the first um, episode of Rice and Egg. Of course, the podcast is called Rice and Egg only because, and I'll give a little background, because um, it kind of harkens back to this idea that, that at least for me, I always had this comfort go-to quick really convenient, but it was nourishing kind of meal. And for me, that was rice and egg, like super simple. You scramble up an egg or even fry it, you know, and then I always had rice growing up, um, you know, being a Filipino American. So, um, my parents always had rice in the rice cooker ready. So question to you, what, what's your rice and egg kind of meal where it, it had been your go-to growing up and perhaps now you still have it? Cause I still make rice and egg now actually for my daughter <laughs> and for myself, I actually had rice and egg earlier today. Um, so being sick and all that too. So what, what, what was that or what is it for you and your family? Well, so like I said, my mom never cooked. Oh, she cooked very little, I should say. And so her, she knew how to do a couple of things really well and her go to dinner most nights was just like um, chicken tacos. So she would get like a chicken breast and boil it and shred it and then fry a tortilla and then lettuce, tomato and cheese. And it was nice 30 minute dinner. So it was like her go to probably three nights a week. And I, it's so good. And I make it for my kids all the time and they love it. And that's another thing. Like if I'm not sure they're eating well, I'm like, let me make them that it's chicken. It's tomato sauce. It's, tomatoes and lettuce and they love it and it's so delicious and it's actually like uh my cousins will like ask me to make it for them when I go home (laughs) they're like can you make it like how your mom makes it oh yeah I can actually because it's really good (laughs) she did one thing right (laughs) oh wow see that's awesome that's awesome because it's things like that at least yeah um 
there's at least one thing I'm sure everyone has that's like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, for sure. I guess it's, that's, that's the thing. Um, well, thank you. I think this has been such a good first episode. We're <laughs> well, coming up for, at the end. This is it. For having me. This was so exciting. Absolutely. And I think um, this will be the first of many conversations I'm sure you and I will have. Um, and we'll stay connected, obviously. But like, I want to wish you and your family a happy holiday and a healthy one with lots of good food. <laughs> yes, you too. <laughs> and uh, rest up from, from you know, the working on, on Christmas Day and all that too, so you can enjoy with your family. Yeah. And have a great new year. Yeah, thank you. You too. I think one of the messages Julie shared is important. When she said, well... Her mom doesn't make breakfast on Christmas anymore, but she wants to keep that for herself. Not only for her kids to feel special, but for her to feel special. That's it, isn't it? Whether that's breakfast or tamales or something else, it feels good to create something that makes you feel good and that you can pass it on to your family in your own way. I just love that. And oh my goodness, are there so many combinations of flavors and colors of fruits and veggies to explore and try out there. We talked about how that all is just brought to our senses at the farmer's market, but at the same time, it's just, it's, it's treated as a treat for some of us here. Wow. It just takes practice for all of us to hone in on how to shop as well. Julie, thank you so much for your time. Please follow Julie on Instagram. She's got some really, really tasty and yummy meals that she's made and posted on there. And I think you would just be inspired as much as I was to go make some. More information on Rice and Egg Official. I'll post more of her information as well there so you can check that out. You can always let us know what you think about this episode by following us over on Rice and Egg Official on Instagram, and please look out for more episodes. Love to keep the conversation going out there. Massive thanks again to Julie Mitchell and to you. Thank you for tuning in to our first episode. You are simply the best.